Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, A Musical Buffet, Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs, Charlotte McElroy shows how to select, teach, and sing the gamut of musical songs in line with the transcendent Word of God. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. Thank you. 
I tell you the best letter I've come up with, Karen, is the beginning of the year. I always send a letter, you know, welcome to the children's choir. We're so excited, except for the parents. We're so excited to have your child, and by extension, you as a part of our choir. And we want you to understand our purposes and our reason for existing and being a part of the, you know, worship of our church. And just say, just as a soccer coach's mission and purpose is to push soccers, and if you take four steps right in lessons, your mission is to learn to ride a horse. Our mission is to teach children the joy of life and use the word to enjoy it. And say things like, we promise to have a great time, we promise to meet the needs of your child, we promise to be available to you. Um, but keep in mind, our primary focus is not fun, but it is joy. And I make that distinction all the time. But I always come at it from the standpoint of, and y'all, here's what's crazy to me. When they send their child to swim lessons, when they send their child to soccer, when they send their child to horseback riding, they expect to get what, if you sent your child to soccer and they rode horses, you'd be pissed. You know, so my point is, we have not done a very good job of communicating in our churches about what our purpose is, what our mission is. And I just say that to them. I said, if you went to soccer and they did football, you'd be unhappy. Exactly. If you paid for swimming lessons and you got to the swimming pool and they just said, y'all just play, you would miss your money back. Mm-hmm. And you might need to put that in the in the letter and just say, mm-hmm. and we don't want to have to give your money back, so we're gonna go right now. <laughs> kind of make a joke out of it, you know. But you have to educate them in the church context. You know, this is what I was saying in one of the classes yesterday. A lot of senior ministers, a lot of ministers that are coming out as children, you just never know. They may have the fun they have. But I'm gonna tell y'all. I make no apologies, none, uh, for using the word joy. Joy is a scriptural word. Fun is not. And you can talk to boys and girls in second grade, and they can tell you the difference between joy and fun. And joy is abiding. Joy grows from within. And make that distinction in your letter. Say, my purpose is to teach your child the joy of and, and, and say, we will have a good time. I just try to avoid the word fun. I don't trash it. <laughs> I just, I just, you know. And, and then if they come in, I'll say, oh, yeah, we're going to have a great right. time. We're going to have fun. But our essential purpose is something a lot bigger than fun. It's abiding joy. And I say it with a smile mm-hmm. on my face. But I'm telling y'all, this is a long process. You just have to keep <clears throat> telling them. And when they come tell you something that's fun, you say, that is the cutest idea. Next time we have a social, you know, next time we have a party, maybe we can incorporate that. See, making that distinction, because you have soccer parties for your soccer team, and, you know, you have a, maybe your swimming coach has a party on the last day when everybody's packed their stuff. And, and if people say to me, um, yeah, but, you know, we want them to have fun, you say, oh, we do, but more than that, we have to be careful. 
I know that that's what we're doing. But they have to be educated, 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 educated. And if you're not doing that, you would require someone to just say, God, that's what I was talking about yesterday, that best is the best. Mm-hmm. You didn't get that alphabet test or something. I'm telling you, we've sh- we're shooting ourselves in the foot here. Don't educate your parents. Don't educate your church. Don't educate your church staff. Because their vision, and so you stop and think about it. They're only, a lot of them have tunnel vision as well. Their only experience with Christmas time may have been sitting in a church in rows of chairs with some woman. I mean, I actually have a man in my church that said the lady would come around with a ruler, you know, and hit their hands if they weren't seen. Well, that's his memory of church life. So what do you think he thinks about it? I had to get him to come to choir before I could get his kid. I said, just come. Give me a chance to, you know, just come one night. But, you know, keep in mind that people operate out of their own um, perceptions, and their perceptions may be incorrect. And um, part of what you need to do is to educate. I guess that helps a little bit. I feel like Craig saying that. But I really love that example of paying for swimming lessons or paying for horse you're up for soccer, you bought the soccer uniform, you bought the shoes. Did you not do this as they were playing football? <laughs> you know, go ahead. Just um, in, in answer to that, I'm kind of fortunate in my situation, I guess, because um, I came in after somebody who was just giving them fun stuff. The parents were upset, the kids didn't have fun because they weren't learning anything, they didn't know how to teach them any sorts of things. They were very talented musicians, far more talented than I. But they said, the kids aren't going to sing church songs. All they want to do is fun stuff. They, they made up their mind that they would not sing an anthem or a hymn, and they gave them fun things. So they did a Christmas concert, not knowing anything, and singing a song called Throw Up. <laughs> Throw Up? Throw Up. Throw Up Your Hands to God. And it was all like funny words. And, that was and not was, on my reading list. The parents were mortified. The grandparents were mortified. Is that Chorister's so, Guild? <laughs> and the kids, the kids liked singing it, but liked singing it in their choir, not in church. Yeah. And I think it was from Crazy Praise, something or other. I don't know. Um, um, that is a perfect segue, really, into our subject. Well, and as soon as we had a real concert, and they did real, real songs, the parents were thrilled. So I've not had a... I'm just telling you, if you're having trouble, you've got to start at the parent level and the church level. You know, keep doing what you're supposed to be doing with the children and do it joyfully and do it with a smile on your face. But you've got to start educating the parents. And, and you can't teach, you can't be too Christian because you fail to teach. But it's just like that every one of you should send a welcome letter first of the year to the I mean, and letting them know that by extension they're a member of, of your choir and you want to let, see, that's a perfect opportunity to tell them what you do. And that is a perfect opportunity. And I'll tell you another thing. Some people have parents' nights where the children come and just sit, I mean, the parents come and participate with the children. But <clears throat> we're in a really small room now and we really can't do a whole parents' night. So what we did last year, it really worked very well. Was um, I sent a letter uh, right 
gave them four Wednesday nights and told them that they were invited to come to choir with their child and do choir with their child, and they just had to sign up for one Wednesday night. And I told them in the letter, I said, my expectation is that, you know, every child will bring two family members. And I worked like that in case they don't have two parents. And I said, it's going to be our neighbors. Y'all, it was, I'd never done it quite like that. It was a huge because, you know, I said my expectations that every child, well, nobody wanted their child to be the one that didn't have anybody there. So we even had a lady who lived in some apartments behind our church, we were now in our church, whose child had been walking over, and she came and walked to her neighbor, and they had a ball. But, you know, use these natural moments to educate. Don't just, because <clears throat> they'll resist you. But... Use that opportunity of welcome to choir, welcome back after Christmas. Here's what we've got going on. Um, what did you do when you did Christmas? We did oh, choir. We did choir. And no, they participated with the children. They sat by their children. No. No. Because our purpose was to let them see what we do on Wednesday night. Dad stood with his son, and they did it together, and the kids had a big time because they taught for us there. What we did was we used some activities we'd done in the fall that the kids knew. And so they got to teach their parents and engage them. We had those parents. It, it, was, it was one of the best things we've ever done. And it really worked better than just a big parents' night because, you know, that's always so crowded if, if everybody... But it, for four weeks, we would have a few parents each week. And um, I'll do that again. <coughs> um, <coughs> and that's really kind of where we're headed today. Um, as we talk about <coughs> um, our, our, our mission today um, is um, about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And um, I chose this a musical buffet. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. I'm just talking myself to death yesterday. Um, I almost hesitate to get into this because musical style is such a, uh, a preferential thing. Um, but I want to tell you up front <coughs> that um, there is good music in all musical styles. There is excellent contemporary music, of course, traditional music, spiritual hymns, and there's trash in every category. So you can't come into your choir with this preconceived idea of, okay, I'm a traditionalist, and I'm just going to do so-and-so. Or I'm contemporary, and we're going to do only praise. Or... You know, I'm going to look for da-da-da-da-da. I'll tell you what I have determined as I have done this for many years. Children need a musical buffet, and here's why. I always tell this story because I think it is so indicative of what I'm talking about. About, well, I can tell you exactly. 
and he was in fourth grade. I've got to be careful. I sound like Blaine knows everybody. He, he, he knows everybody I know. When I told that story yesterday about the girl in our capital city who came up to me later, and he said, that followed along. I said, I cannot believe you know everybody in Mississippi. You know, but, um, but anyway, um, the young man said, I tell you this to show you it's a real story, and I'm not, you know, making this up. But we had a choir year, so that would have been eight years ago. He, he just graduated from high school. Um, I have usually, not always, but usually, kind of picked my own theme song for choir, and it's usually something upbeat. But uh, for that particular year, I had chosen um, uh, a sweet ballad. And, uh, you know, I stopped when I woke up this morning. I might be able to sing it to y'all right this minute. I can't think of the name of it. It'll come to me in a moment of Alzheimer's. But anyway, <laughs> um, it, it was not a um, Blow I'm With You. Blow on your night out and let you. The John Horman song, do y'all ever know that? It's gorgeous. And, and it goes, uh, I'm with you always, I'm with you always. It's just a pretty little simple text. But anyway, I don't know why, but I was so drawn to that song. And so I chose it as our little theme song that year. Never knowing why God had laid that so heavily on my heart. Because remember, I'd always been something real upbeat. <coughs> First thing that happened was uh, Drew Napier's dad was killed in a horrible car wreck. His car hydroplaned and he was killed, leaving four children in Drew that he knew that he was going to have to mom take care of. The next thing that happened was the four girls started appearing in the choir that was very evidently from a special production. He was dressed always not clean. Anyway, long story short with that, I eventually found out that my mom was a prostitute who was operating the head of the church. And she was walking over uh, to get dinner and kind of a while one night. And mom eventually was kicked out of that apartment and was got an apartment out on the end of town. So I stepped in to pick up the four girls. <coughs> And one time I picked her up and she had a baseball cap on. And um, she called herself Sunshine. Now, y'all, this, this is some psychological deal here because that was not her name. But she called herself Sunshine and she had a baseball cap on. So I said, Sunshine, you've got a cap on tonight. And I said, you know, when it's kind of stormy, no one will be able to take that off. And she didn't have that baby cap on. She just had the cap on that was dirty and had a baby cap on. So we get in choir. She's sitting on the back, and she didn't take her cap off. And one of my rules is nobody can take her cap off. And <clears throat> I mentioned this to the whole group a couple of times that, you know, that boys and girls can take our caps off and then put gum out of your mouth. And she didn't. And all of a sudden, and this is a good reason to have other helpers in your room. Because, you know, I was all in here doing choir. And, and one of the other teachers in the back of the room starts, you know, doing motions to me like, you know, anyways, don't tell her to take her cap off. So, anyway, long story short again, we discovered at the end of the choir that her mother had mutilated her hair. Y'all, I'm not talking about cutting it off. As a punishment, because she did not clean the 
how much the pregnancy was you just gapped it next to the scalp and then left some of it longer. It was the it was horrible. I I cannot describe to you a two year old would have done a better haircut. But this was her punishment because she had not cleaned the house as well as And then um, the next thing that happened, this is spiraling, you know, in my plot. This was back when we were running about 50. The next thing that happened is not one, not two, but three of our young couples in the church who had been stalwart, everything, filed for divorce, all of them had kicked on the wire. Horrible custody fights. Y'all, it got to be that the children would walk in the door and they would say, Ms. Mack, can we sing low on you again? Ms. Mack, can we sing low on you again? Why not all ears? There, all of us who were teachers in that room were going, oh my gosh, because this was not a happy two-hop song. You know, it was a da 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 You know, it was just, I can cry about it now eight years later. Because God laid this on my heart for a reason. To comfort children who were hurting. What if I had decided that year to do all praise music? Nothing wrong with praise music. You see what I'm saying? But God knew that we were going to have not <clears> one, <throat> not two, five families in absolute and those children wanted to sing low on you to I use that example to tell you, do not limit yourself to one food group. <laughs> because there are children sitting there. See, children have the same emotions that we allow them to have. But they often don't have the words to express them. That's why children sometimes go into rages. They don't know how to express their feelings. Um, they don't have the vocabulary. They don't know where to go. One of the greatest things you can do in your ministry as uh, a children's child pastor is to give the child the words, to give the child the words that he, might not, he or she might not and you do that with a musical effect. You do that, and, and, and you know, when I choose music every year, I stop, and I literally ask myself these kinds of questions. I say, do I have music that praises them? Do I have music that gives them a voice for prayer? Do I have music that gives them comfort? You know, I just start thinking, and start thinking about what you need. What do you need? Don't you in your life have moments where absolutely you feel like praise? But if, if one of us right now got a phone call that a loved one had died, probably the first hymn that would come to your mind is Amazing Grace or, you know, some hymn of comfort. It would not be the most hoppity do dot praise chorus, you know. I guarantee you. Um... <clears throat> 
So I really approach this musical style thing not from the standpoint this is good or that is good or this is bad or that is bad. There is wonderful music in all category, and I will tell you it is sometimes hard to find because there's so much out there today that you have to just constantly be listening and going to clinics and 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 I can't. I don't know everything that's out there. I'm, I'm, my brain can't hold all of it. It's, it's everywhere. Um, and since people self-publish and the internet, it's, it's very different from the days where you had four or five major publishers and you got their catalogs and that was it. But there's good music in all categories, and as I said, there's trash in all categories. And you've got to, yourself, that's just part of what you do, is to figure out, you know, and I will honestly say to you, there are some publishers whose work generally is good, and you know it, but even then you've got, you know, preferences within those. Um, um, that's why I tell you, um, I really like the lifeless ritual. I mean, I like it, but it does not have enough beautiful anthems and signatures. But I love the visuals, I love the, the, the pitching plan, so I end up using about half of and then I supplement, usually with Forster Still Anthem or Dot Resources or, you know, something that I find that's beautiful. Several of those that I had for you yesterday. Um, and I, I kind of figured out budget-wise that if I use at least half the lifeless stuff, it's, it's a budget-friendly thing. But if you use less than half, it's not budget-friendly because it's fairly expensive. But when, if you use half and you start thinking about what it would cost to, you know, buy 30 copies of seven anthems, you know, it becomes, it becomes a, a, better, a better financial deal for you. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I will honestly tell you, I, every now and then, I, I, I'm not a huge praise chorus person, but I do bring in particularly some of the praise choruses with Easy Harmony because she plays small groups. You know, when I've done those chord things with y'all, that's perfect to pull in for them to uh, play in activity groups or because uh, the, the chords are easy. You usually got three chords you can work with. And and they love to play things they sing in church. Um, and then we put a rhythm section with it. And before you know it, we've got a really nice little thing going here. Um, but again, it's a musical buffet. And don't base it so much on your preferences, base it on the musical history, because that opens up a whole new world. I mean, y'all tell me, what else do children need besides praise and prayer and comfort? What else do they need? A Oh, a text. Oh, how could I not say that? A text that just teaches a scripture or a Bible story. If you were here yesterday for my reading packet, several of those were straight biblical texts. Goliath was a story from the Bible. I mean, you know, it, it's just, yes. And sometimes you would, that little thing I played as y'all left from Dot Music Resources, all things. Great scripture. I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, what a message for a child to go around Sometimes I choose a song just because I want them to roll around in their head with, I can do all things, all things, all things. I 
You'll find yourself driving the car going, you know, and they do too. Great reason to choose a curriculum. And um, the only reason that I recommend a curriculum to people is like if you choose Stepping Stones by Betty Bestseller, you choose Lifeway, it gives you a framework. It gives you something to start with so that you don't have so much work to do. And um, I'm a busy person. I appreciate that framework. Um, I appreciate having some activities. I don't like them all, but I like enough that I have something to work with. And then I can plug in from other sources and uh, easily, like sometimes, and, I, and I, we're going to get to now, get your orange sheet. I want to tell you how I choose a song and how I teach my Um. <clears throat> Now, here again, remember, choosing music is a personal preference, and I can't tell you or wouldn't attempt to tell you, yes, this is a good song, or no, it's a bad song unless you ask me personally. But I want to give you enough information to show you how to choose a song. Now, what I have learned to do is, particularly with the Lifeway curriculum, which our church adopts, when I get that, First thing I do is stick it in my car and just stick it in the CD player. And when I'm driving around town, I, I have a list of songs beside me on the car seat. And y'all are going to love this. We have a train that goes right down the middle of Tupelo. And it, I promise y'all, it comes constantly. So everybody in town, it's called Crosstown. Everybody, I mean, there's not a sign there, but we just all know it's called Crosstown. And everybody gets stuck there. Everybody, you cannot get through the crazy towns without it. You have to go around the town or through it. So everybody gets lots of prayer time at Crosstown because <laughs> the coal train comes through, and y'all, it can take 10 minutes. It's, it's, it's just the most unbelievable thing. So you can do a whole lot of work at Crosstown. <clears throat> so I'm not doing this drive around, but anyway, I stick the CD in, and I just play the song. I have never looked at them. I have not looked at a piece of music. But with my ear, I start... You see my list here? What does it say? Ask yourself, what elements, what does it say here? Out loud. Drives this song. What element distinguishes this song? Now that's the first thing I say to myself when I start that song going. You know, I say, all right, this is driven by melody. Or maybe it's driven by rhythm. And I will tell you about 90-something percent of the songs that come out today are rhythmically driven. Which about me. But, you know, okay, so you say, what drives this song? And then the second thing, I just jot that down by my little list, and then I just decide whether I like it or not. And if I like it a lot, I might put two checks or three on my little sheet of paper. And if I don't like it, I put an X, and if I'm really not sure if I like it, I put a question mark. No, it needs to listen again. So I just listen and make that list. Now, if I were at home and didn't have a CD, most things have CDs now, but if you don't, you know, play it, get somebody else to play it for you. Do the same thing. But just do a listen. What element drives the song, and do you like it? Now, you've got all your list. You've listened to everything. The next thing you do 
is you start thinking about needing to move to the children. You know, do, do I have something here that comforts prayer, teaches scripture, whatever? But then your final selection is made. Let's say you now, you've got three or four songs here that you really like that are praise songs. And, um, but you know, you've got these other categories you want to fill in. I start thinking about what drives this song, what element drives it. If I have just chosen seven songs that are rhythmically driven, I have made a very bad selection. <laughs> so I go back in and choose something that's melodically driven or that's text driven. You see what I'm saying? If you do a choir session with six rhythmically driven songs, your children will become more and more agitated. It is not a teacher. I don't know if you have ever visited, uh, and, and I, I don't mean to trash anybody's church, but I'm just telling you. If you have ever visited one of those children's church places, or maybe your church has it, where they just do these real energetic praise songs and jump around for an hour, and then their parents come pick them up, it's like somebody shot them full of sugar. I mean, it's just, they are just wild. You know, I I don't get that. You know, I don't get why that's worship. Um, and I think we need to go back to our parents and our church staff members and say, you know, here again, you can hardly claim them because you listen to it. But if you just go in and say, well, you know, I don't really like what we're doing, and you know, and it, it's 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 personal preference. See, this way you've got a reason. I need, these children need a prayer song. These children need a comfort song. You know, these children need a, a, a this and that. But the care, where you have to be careful now, and I, and I teach harder than ever, so many songs are rhythmically driven. And if you can't figure out something that's not, you're going to have a real hole in what you do. I'm going to tell you, I make sure that I have one or two melodically driven songs every semester. And I mean something that just has a gorgeous singing melody that you know you just can't get out of your mind and out of your heart. Man, I, I'm not going to do choir without that. that. That's just a necessity to me. Um, and I always try to have something that's teaching harmony. Um, that's why I included yesterday in that Lifeway stuff, that little three-part Hallelujah from Nance Ransom, that little partner song thing. It's so easy to teach, and yet it's an experience with harmony for your kids if you're just um, beginning to uh, go into harmony. But anyway, and, and some people always ask me this, well, sometimes it's harder to, to distinguish what drives a song. You know, you could have a song that has a great melody and a great in the perfect size, Mark both of them. You know, right hand on your piece, melody and text. Well, gee, that's just great because now you're covering two things with one song. Uh, and you and I both know a well-written song is going to have multiple elements. But still, the reason this is valuable is when it gets time, gets time to teach the song, I just helped you out here. Because if you know what drives the song, then you know how to teach. So what the rest of this handout is, 
is I have just made a little list of ways to keep from each element. Just some things you can do to approach the song. You know, often a song with a beautiful melody is also a song that's very expressive. And so I might choose to approach the song from the expression standpoint rather than the melodic standpoint. Are y'all all following me? Okay, no TBS. Okay. Um, now let's just quickly look at this. Um, some expression examples would be sign language. And I don't know if y'all have known this, but if you're going to do signing, it's often better to teach the signs before you even teach the word or the melody. Uh, in other words, it gets them in their heart uh, before you ever even introduce a rhythm or a melody. Um, and then what is the difference between sign language and interpretive music? And interpretive music is something your children can create. You could literally put a group over here at town and create some interpretive movement as an early arrival um, to the song or to the text without ever having, you know, even heard it. Or you could play it for them. Um, mirroring, we did a little of that yesterday. Does everybody know what mirroring is? If you don't, tell me now. Everybody knows mirroring? Mirroring is a wonderful way to introduce a song. Just right now, sit and do this with me. And you don't think left and right. You just go with me wherever I go. Now, if we had a pretty song with a melody, you know, we might do something beautiful like that. Okay, but if we had something real peppy, we might do it with me. And how do you know where I'm going? What am I doing with my body? I'll do it. Okay, that's mirroring. And you change the movement to fit the expression of the song. And it immediately helps the child to start feeling uh, the expression. Streamers, flags, you know, these are actually weighted flags like football officials use. And I will tell you, the boys like this better than streamers. Um, I actually, my husband was, uh, was a football official for many years, so I got him actually get some of those yellow flags that um, that are weighted like this and and my older boys think that's cool you know and um, for a while I actually had some that were autographed like my bear Bryant and different coaches my husband had worked for but then I decided I needed to let the kids keep those for my grandchildren <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but anyway the boys think this is a little more manly for some odd reason and uh, I'm telling you, a sixth grade boy in a crepe paper streamer. Uh, third grade boys are okay with their crepe paper streamers. You've got to understand how to present everything. Your fifth and sixth graders are too cool to die. I mean, remember, if you've been using crepe paper streamers in preschool, you best not pass those things out to your fifth and sixth graders. they got to have something a little more specific. So, um, just keep in mind, you know, walk by the preschool player every now and then, see what they're using, and say, hmm, not going to use that. <laughs> um, they need something a little more. Um, 
You can read the recipe. Now, form exam. You know, y'all, I am just, I am amazed at the people that don't, that teach songs and never figure out the form before they teach it. Y'all, this, these are form posters, okay? This is a form poster for a preschool or a younger child. I think it's, It's uh, terrain running your way. You know, um, and this one, this one is, oh, come Christmas, let us sing. Well, let's do this. Love, I'm sorry, is that love? Let's start right there.
them do the different section first. Because it's a little bit harder. And if we do it first, we'll have this thing nailed because the rest of this thing's easy. And you know, often that B section is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they're going to have accidentals or, or something, you know, a little different, that's where it'll be. Well, it is kind of exciting to the kids, too, because now we've learned the hardest part. Um, you know, you can do things like follow the road signs. Well, you can read all that stuff. All right, next, <clears throat> harmony. Um, I gave you the body signal um, sheet again because I think one of the strongest ways, let me just back up a minute here. You know, there, there, the Kadagi hand signals are those. And I'm sure that most of you are familiar with those. And I have, I think the Kadagi hand signals are wonderful and I use them periodically. But I have found in a volunteer church choir where you have the children for limited amounts of time, and like at our church, we're constantly getting bumped, you know, probably as I said yesterday for a church banquet or a the Awana program. <laughs> not that I'm, I'm not unhappy about that. I'm just telling you, sometimes we go two weeks without having choir. It is very hard to for children to really catch on to the Kadagi without some regularity in it. And particularly, here's the rule of thumb. The younger the child, the less... Right, for instance, look at this. If I do this and this, there's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, there is some, but a small child doesn't see that difference as much. But look on here and see what is 5-3 on the body signal. Bigger difference. Much bigger difference. And that's easier to do. It's just an easy bilateral movement. It just moves from here to here. As I have worked with children through the years, again, on a volunteer basis, you know, and now keep in mind, here's what happens. We have choir. Then the next week we don't have choir because of the stewardship committee. Then the next week we have choir, but you know, half of them are absent all week. Well, the fourth week, the half that were absent that week are back, but the first half's not there. <laughs> so, you know, we've had four weeks of choir, but very little real solid rehearsal. Y'all, that's the way it is. I have just found they catch on and retain the body signals a bit easier than they do the hand signals. I think it's because there's a bigger difference as you go. I mean, let's just start. Here's Doe. Everybody just look at your sheet if you don't know it. But here's Doe. And then Ray comes up here. Me. Fa. So. La. Ti. Doe. And children, just that, that is a big motion by the time you get up there. Now, so when you teach harmony, the reason I'm teaching you this, and I don't, I was not trained in this when I came through school. I'm self-taught, uh, been to workshops. I can't think quick enough to, like, sign a whole anthem or, uh, you know, but you don't really need it. That's not the the best part of it. I use it to teach difficult phrases or to teach harmony parts. For instance, if there were harmony parts, I would put the signal for 
my hair in a stick figure of cartoon down here and teach it by stick figure. And Luke, we follow it. See, y'all think it's a bit like that. Because, you know, so often there's, it's a unison piece, but at the ending there's an optional harmony part. They just, they get it. So if you'll teach it with body signals, it's just a really quick way to, to get that in. <clears throat> Uh, melody, I think y'all can read this. Um, not going to spend a lot of time there. Rhythm, uh, you can read. Text. Um, but I will tell you this. One of my favorite things with older children is to introduce um, a song that's uh, rhythmic with conducting. And, it, and, and interestingly enough, the more syncopated the song, if, if you're doing a contemporary song like uh, the conducting is a great way because it helps you build the steady beat. Which, you know, children can't really sing syncopated rhythms if they can't feel the beat. And let me just share a quick while ago, but it's in purposeful movement too, but everybody just pretend that you've got a shelf right here. Now, I know that y'all, those of you who are Baylor that are majoring in conducting are going to freak out at this, but I'm just telling you now this works. All right, boys and girls, take your hands and put them on the shelf. Okay, now raise them up. And you've just learned the two-four count. One, two, down, up. Now remember, we've got a shelf. We've got to put our hands flat on it. So let's start. Down, flatten out your hands. Down, up. Down, up. Down, up. So you've learned the two-four count. And then we will conduct <coughs> something. I generally teach the four next. Or you can teach the three next. It doesn't really matter. All right? Three. Down. Put your hand on the shelf. Slide it out on the shelf. And then bring it back to where you were. Down. Put your hand on the shelf. Slide it out on the shelf. Bring it back up. One. Two. Three. Down. Out. Up. Down. Down, out, up. Four pattern. Now always remember, flatten that hand on that shelf. Get it down there good. <clears throat> Four pattern. Start up here. Down, put your hand on the shelf. Put them, bring them together. Touch them. Slide them out. Bring them back up. Down, in, out, up. Down, in. Say it with me. Out, up, down, in, out, up, down, in, out, up, down, in, out, up. Stop. Now let's get the three pattern. Down, out, up, down, out, up, down, out, up. Do the two pattern. Down, up, down, up. Down, up, down, up. Boys and girls, <coughs> what was the same in every pattern? The down. Have you ever heard anybody say the downbeat? You ever heard that word? <laughs> That's why. Because in every pattern, every conducting pattern, number one is the same. And that's how you don't get mixed up when you're watching me. Because you know the beginning of each measure, what the last measure is, 
It's gonna be the what beat? The down beat. Y'all are thinking some duck pen. You can put on a brand new song. Now this is, you know, when I said the other day when I was talking about listening, don't just ever say listen. If you don't have anything else to be making some duck talking, they're listening to the podcast. Because they will focus so much better. And if you are not a conductor, I have just taught you how to do it. And the trick is bilateral, use both hands, and have them visualize that shell. It makes all the difference in the world. And have them flatten their hands on that shell. Flatten, because that's that down beat. You can get fancy with it. And then later, you know, after they get good, I tell them you get to add slurp. You know, you get to, you know, get to be fancy. But first, we start off just real solid motion. I hope that helps you because that, they love this. And I'll tell y'all, oh, I'm going to get y'all out of here in the next couple minutes. But anyway, I'll tell y'all, too, one of our favorite things we do. I don't do it every year. Is we send them to the senior adult departments on Sunday mornings with the rest of the opening hymns. <laughs> Good education for the church. <laughs> Love it. And, you know, the parents just eat it up for them to come in and direct the opening hymns. Uh, one of the best things I want to point out for you on text with younger children is to use highlighters. And you can have them do it themselves. A lot of them are still learning to track and read. If you will highlight the text in one color and the melody line in a second color, then you can say to the children, follow the yellow line with your finger or follow the pink line. It is such a huge, huge help. Or if they've got two stanzas, you might do the two stanzas in a different color. And y'all, that sounds like a lot, but it does not take long. Sit in front of your TV one night when you're watching, you know, watching the 25th rerun of Law and Order and just, uh, <laughs> you know, highlight. Um, and then memorizing, I've given you some, some tricks for memorizing. Uh, a little bonus here on your sheet. But um, uh, if you have questions about any of those, come to me if you don't know what any of those are. But I basically, as a review, I just want to say to you, um, <clears throat> I've got to read something to you now as we close. Um, won't take long. <clears throat> I'm so interested that several of our questions today at the beginning of the session were related to society and the changes that we're experiencing and how people um, seem to be so fun and entertainment oriented, but did you know that God spoke to that in the New Testament? In Colossians 2.8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Y'all, analyze that not describe us. Uh, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man rather than Christ. And then in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, keep thinking, seeking the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. Those might be two great scripture verses to close your welcome letter to parents. 
The first one was Colossians 2.8, and the second one was Colossians 3.1 and 2. And then I want to read you some about God's Word because these are incredibly important. And when people ask you about the importance of texts, I want you to point them, or maybe they want to ask you, maybe you'll have an opportunity to tell them. I want to read five quick scripture verses to you that deal with texts from the scripture. Proverbs 30. Five and six. Proverbs 35 and six. Every word of God is precious. Do not add to his word. Second Timothy 2.15. Second Timothy 2.15. Handle accurately the word of truth. Handle accurately. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. And y'all, this was one I came across. I don't know why anybody would ever bring this up to me. But I was just reading along at the end of Revelation one day and got my, you know, Mississippi would say you got your pants knocked off. But I'm telling you, <laughs> this just about shocked me out of them. Because I didn't know the scripture said this so clearly. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. To everyone who hears the word of this book, if anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues. And it goes on and lists all the hard things God's going to do. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, God shall take away his part from I ain't never in God on this. You know, <laughs> I told somebody, if you pick up something that adds to God's word or takes away, that's between you and God. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, the one I love. And I'm going to end that section with this. It's Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, 11. And if this is not an encouragement to you, I don't know what would be. My mother was, I'll just give you this little personal thing. My mother was an English Bible little finishing school back in those days. It was a little Baptist school. And she could quote scripture like nobody you've ever seen. She loved God's word. And uh, at the age of 61, my mother was one of those athletic, in shape, played tennis with the high school boys, rode her bike, kept her mind sharp. My mother was hit with early onset Alzheimer's at 61, and she lived for 18 long years, all the way to the of the disease and she was very worried but this was one of her favorite scriptures and as long as she could still speak she would use this and it was encouragement to me Isaiah 55 11 Isaiah 55 11 and I hope this is an encouragement to you it says so shall my words which go forth from my mouth be it shall not return to me empty or void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent. I'm going to read that again. If you are teaching God's word through scripture, God has promised you that it will never return void, it will never return empty. Here's what it says. 
So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void without accomplishing what I desire that God bring that and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Y'all, be encouraged. If you are doing what God wants you to do and delivering his word through music and scripture, he says it will not return. I know it gets tough. And I know sometimes as you do this, you think like, you know, nobody appreciates me and the parents are nuts. <laughs> but God says, don't be fooled by that empty deception stuff. It's not going to return void. God will have a good day. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.